Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, Mr. Announcer Man. Indeed it is. Two guys in a mic, Big Dog and the Coach with our Wednesday version of the Sports Report here on the Two Guys and a Mike Show. TalkZone.com. Got plenty to talk about today. Believe it or not, we are halfway through the NFL season. Shocking. But the Big Dog, uh, if we have time today, and hopefully we will, we're going to have you uh, surmise and give your... Outstanding expertise at the halfway mark. Kind of an evaluation of where we are, who we are, what we are, who the imposters are, and maybe which teams that are struggling that might come back in the second half of the season. So we will uh, ask on your expertise there. And believe it or not, the NBA season opens up today. We do have basketball, not the exhibition variety, but the live stuff. And we're going to go over the Baseball World Series, which we didn't get to yesterday. It is the Big Dog and the Coach here on the Two Guys in a Mic Show. A little bit of music from producer extraordinaire David Olson. And I will introduce my fine partner. Producer extraordinaire David Olson on the other side of the glass taking your phone calls, phone lines as per always open for your perusal. 888-463-6748. Coach and the Big Dog, a two-man team, but we love your phone calls. Three-way, always the better way to go, right, Big Dog? Well, not always, Coach. Well. Typically. We'll take a chance. How about that? Once in a while, you got to take on the walk on the wild side. Uh, and speaking of taking a walk on the wild side, we got to put the sports just briefly in the back burner here because I fully understand if people want the news of the day, you know, as much as I'd like to think that a couple of sports guys like you and me could bring it to them, we're probably not the number one, number two, or we're probably not even ranked in the top 25. Maybe we're like, you know, special mention when it comes to uh, news of the moment when Significant things are happening, but I know you, along with me, Big Dog, want to send our uh, thoughts, wishes, prayers out to the folks on the eastern coast that got hit brutally by Hurricane Sandy. Well, it hasn't even totally hit yet. It just started getting there. So, I mean, this is, I mean, there's another 24, 48 hours worth of damage to be done by this storm. It, it is really scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the, the majority of it has hit the coast, but now it's coming inland a little bit. You know, areas like Virginia and Baltimore and Washington, D.C. are going to get hit. But I think, uh, hopefully, hopefully the fine city of New York and all its various boroughs uh, have seen the worst, Big Dog, because the pictures are uh, alarming, to say the least. Yeah, hopefully that is the worst that has happened. But, uh, yeah, the storm isn't over yet. Some of that stuff, it it just is a little strange to see, like, a a city that crowded with a storm that big. You don't normally see that stuff. You Mm -hmm. normally see, like, coastline and all this other stuff. Yeah, and that dark. I thought that was some of the most alarming, most stark pictures where, you know, you saw the floods coming in and the water. And, you know, we'll talk about the reporters. These people are, you know, part crazy and part I have the utmost respect for them, probably more the latter than the former. But uh, when they panned... The city of New York at like nine, ten o'clock at night, when normally the 
lights are shining brightly, big dog, and it was like 75% dark. That was that image spoke a lot. It, also, the attitudes of New Yorkers spoke a lot because somebody like came out to you. I heard Staten Island was ruined, and they were like, "No, it wasn't." They're like, "Oh, that's too bad." So, I mean, they're rough. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's never too soon in New York. They already oh, start man. with the jokes on it. I'm not joking about that. I mean, like they're already over it in New York. They're like, oh, yeah, it wasn't that bad. All you people complained down in Miami. That wasn't so bad. I mean, they're, they're rough up in yeah, that. I don't know about that. That might be the attitude of a few. So there is a borough versus borough uh, rivalry. Is that what you're alluding to? Like, we're tougher oh, without, than you? With, without question, there's borough versus borough rivalry. You got all the uppity Manhattan people, and then you have, you know, people in the Bronx talk about, well, we're, you know, we're the real deal, and plus the Yankee Stadium is here, and, the, and in Brooklyn. Anybody from Brooklyn thinks that, you know, that they're a little bit more special than anybody else. If you live on Long Island, far more special than anybody else because you can afford to live on Long Island. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those deals, Coach. Yeah. Nobody going to be taking the subways for a while. Yes, David? The storm has been downgraded. It's obviously just a storm now because it has moved inland. Mm-hmm. Right now it's covering all of Pennsylvania, all of West Virginia, a portion of Kentucky, all of Ohio, Michigan, and Indiana. Is that wow. Chris Christie or the storm you're talking about? Yes. Hey, ho! Uh, all right, well, that's good news, Big Dog. That's good news. So uh, hopefully we have seen the worst, but you know what? The worst was bad enough. Uh, as tough as you make the New Yorkers out to be, that's going to that's be a long recuperation. And I know the, what the New York Stock Exchange probably down for at least a couple of days, which is, is the it, rarest of rare. It's going to be that long before they get it back up, Coach? Well, it ain't opening today. I know that. They had three feet of water. Three feet in the uh, stock exchange yesterday. At least that's the report I heard. Holy cow. That's amazing, Coach. That, that really is amazing that there's that much. Okay. Yeah, so we will we'll see. On, uh, the NASDAQ and the New York Stock Exchange will open tomorrow. 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 There you it's go. Back, up and yeah, that's... back at it. So all those stock holdings you got, Big Dog, I know you had a couple of big trades you were thinking of doing right after the show. Hang on to those puppies for 24 hours, okay? Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. The phone number. Dog and the coach talking sports as we always do here on the two guys at a mic show. And big dog, you know, doing a one hour show is tough. It is extremely limiting, especially when you got a domineering, strict producer like David Olson that makes you keep on track. It's very, very tough and difficult to get off a little bit. But yesterday we were so entrenched into the NFL and the football games for the weekend that we really. Gave very little love, and I want to do that now, to the conclusion of the 2012 baseball season. I know you're a big baseball guy, and you got thoughts on it, but the San Francisco Giants, uh, I'll let you wax poetic, but just an amazing run. Yeah, the Giants with a phenomenal run, winning their second world title in two years. And for a little bit, I was like, you know, this kind of legitimizes them winning the title in 2010 because that may have been the worst team to ever win a World Series title either them or the 05 White Sox or the 06 Cardinals. But recently we've had some really mediocre teams win the World Series. Yep. And, and this great season, which had so much, uh, like, basically drama throughout it, comes down, the playoffs have been phenomenal, then the World Series ends up being a dud. So at least the clinching game was an extra inning win for the, the Giants. So at least game four had a little bit of excitement in it. But Any idea kind of you're, you're uh, hooked into the... Odds makers a little bit more than uh, I am. Any idea if you would have bet at the beginning of the series, Giants, 
four-game sweep, what the odds would have been on that? Uh, that would have been the least likely one, Detroit sweep, and probably would have been the second least likely one. Uh, I, I would have to say that been about 100 to 1. 100? Probably, yeah, but they would only pay out at about 75 to 1. I was going to say, I don't know say. about 100 to 1, but... Maybe I would have guessed like 50 or 70 to 1, but either way, absolutely shocking. And you're right, it's it's been a trend where these non-dominant, non-sexy, non-star-powered teams are finding ways to get on a roll at the end of the season and win championships. And the Giants two years ago, the Giants this year are perfect examples of that. Yeah, and it might seem cliche. But the whole one game at a time. Well, if you get into the if you get into the tournament, I mean, the the, the Tigers, the eighty eight win Tigers, you know, basically at home field advantage against an American League East team that was that would have been a wild card that had eight more wins against them. You know, it's so jacked up the way that this whole system is that if you can just get in, coach, even if you say it's stacked against you, don't even worry about it. Win three out of five, win four out of seven, win four out of seven, and you're world champion. And, and it's not that hard to do. Let, let's face it, to win three out of five games, if you're the eighth-best team in baseball playing the best team in baseball, you have the utmost confidence that even you're the eighth-best team, you can win three out of five games against the, the, the top team. And as soon as you win that first series, you know, it's no whole bars. We've seen these teams just get hot after winning the first round and then, like, are unstoppable. And obviously – we were, it looked like the Giants and Tigers were both of those teams, and we're going to get both of them collided in the World Series. We're going to get six or seven games. Now we got the, the Tigers absolutely quiet. You know, the Tigers lineup, Coach, it, it was brought up in, in game four. That is not a very good lineup. If you, after, if you can get around Cabrera yep. and Fielder, and if you have a good pitching staff that can execute game plans, mm-hmm. that's a lot. That's it's pretty easy. And I shouldn't say easy, but... The rest of that lineup is not very good, except when Dumb and Young's I, in a bad I call mood. it, what's the, uh, who's the star singer? Is it Adele? Or Adele? Well, she's a star singer. I don't know if she's, she's is that, is it pro- It's pronounced Adele, though, right? Yes, it is. I call it the Adele lineup. Because it's successful, and the end result is, you know, great success, beautiful music, but it's a little trended. How do I gently put this around the middle? Right? <laughs> I mean, okay. if, you, if you take Delman Young, Prince Fielder, and uh, some guy named Miguel Cabrera away, all of a sudden, it doesn't play such beautiful music. Yeah, the, the rest of that lineup. No no offense to Quentin Berry, but there's a reason why he was in five yeah. organizations in two years and yeah. was out of baseball. You know, no, no, it's a great story. you got to really love a guy like that, appreciate that, and know his story. But when you're... He's batting second every single day in your lineup in the World Series. You're extremely weak. That's that's not good. I still go back to our theory from last week. I still think there's something to be said for the secondhand smoke theory. That the Tigers over the long season, you know, they've, they've played good, but the secondhand smoke coming from outstanding manager Jim Leland finally caught up to him, big dog, and they could not, pardon the expression, get second win once they were down against the Giants. Well, obviously, the Tigers brass could care less about your opinion because they have uh, exercised an option, and Jimmy Leland, 67-year-old Jimmy Leland, will yes. be back as the Tigers manager next season. Yeah. Well, they're hoping that he switches to those new electronic cigarettes. Have you seen those, by the way? Uh, those things are so <laughs> stupid. 
You know what? It's funny how a lot of people that I know have tried them, and they say, I love them. I love them. Uh, I see them a month later, and they're smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what? I actually love those things. Like, yeah, they're great, but they're so freaking expensive, man. So oh, help me out here. I, you know, I, went, I was walking, uh, I think, Michigan Avenue in Chicago, like last week. There's like a whole store dedicated, it looked like anyways, to the the whole electronic smoking thing, electronic cigarette. Help me out here, big dog, because you're a man who... You know, is knowledgeable on the uh, artifacts of various hookahs and different smoke varieties. So, how, exactly how does the electronic cigarette work, my friend? Okay, from what I understand, and there's more. There's like the smokeless one. Okay, there's uh, there's one that turns nicotine into like a mist, and you inhale it. You so inhale. You so there's no nicotine that gets in in your system. No, no, no. They're, they're, it's nicotine. Yeah, it's nicotine without the carcinogens. Ah, yeah, it's, like, it's basically it's like basically a water vapor. Yeah. I always like the carcinogens, nicotine. though. Well, it's the, the nicotine that the person was looking for. That's, <laughs> I understand. that's the point is they want the nicotine, coach. All right. Well, I was kind of a different kind of smoker. I wanted the one that separated the nicotine and just I, I wanted to go for the straight carcinogens, big dog. So no high. No positive effect that you get out of the cigarette, which exactly. is a very limited one, let's remind everybody. Yep, exactly. You didn't want that at all. You just wanted the negative effect. There you go. All right, so get back. I, I interrupted how the electronic cigarette actually – is it battery-operated? you got to recharge it? Then you plug them in. I think – I'm pretty sure you plug those things in, but it turns the nicotine into uh-huh. vapor. Again, they've already explained it. It turns the nicotine okay. into a vapor. No, I got so that part. I got vapor. that part. Now I was just trying to get, like, how – Similar it is to like a cell phone or something where you got to charge it up at night so you can have your cigarette ready in the morning. What I think a- that's the issue. And then, yeah, I think you, it's kind of like it, it is a process. It isn't just like you pull it out and it's mm-hmm. all kind of cigarette. you got to like. So you could be at a big business one- meeting and all of a sudden, beep, 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 please turn off your cell phone. That's not my cell phone. That's my cigarette. Thank you very much. What is the most popular brand of electronic cigarettes? I have no idea. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, but all right, so you're you are diffusing my Jim Leland secondhand smoke as the reason the Tigers couldn't find another gear in the World Series. Uh, you, the the nineteen thirty one A's were the best teams ever. They all smoked and drank in the dugout. <laughs> uh, the nineteen oh eight Cubs were the greatest team ever in the history of baseball. You can look it up. They were they would smoke in the dugout, cigars, all kinds of stuff. So mm-hmm. I would have to say no, that doesn't affect them whatsoever. And I'm still amazed, Big Dog. Uh, you know, I've been working with you. We are family pirates. What about them, Coach? No, they never smoked. But Dave Clean, Parker smoking cl- in the dugout. Are you kidding me? That, that was, team was that was the biggest. That that team had an issue with smoking many different things, <laughs> not just in the dugout and not yeah. just tobacco. Yeah, they were they were family in more ways than one, huh? Oh my goodness, that. You would, uh, I mean, the Grateful Dead wouldn't party with the We Are Family Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> hey, don't start passing bad rumors around. One of my favorite second basemen of all time, Davey Cash. I think I still have his baseball card. One of the few I haven't given away. But, uh, Big Dog, you continue to amaze me during the conversation here. You know, I've been with you eight, close to ten years, if you count the uh, radio show combined with the Internet show here. And so I, I sometimes... Almost take you for granted. Almost, I said. But, you know, others, you know, might just might just hear him passing. But what I'm talking about is you throwing out, like, you know, the 88 Tigers and the 1931 A's. The fact that you know which teams were in World Series 
in which particular years off the top of your bald noggin is truly amazing. Just I, I just want to let you know that 88 Tigers truly disappointed. They had just won the American League East, and they, they came back that next year were absolutely they – were, they were horrible, Coach. They couldn't get anything done. How do you remember this stuff? That's what I'm trying to say. Well, me, the 31As are one of the great teams of all time, Coach. It's Mickey Cochran. Uh, who could forget him? Grove. Al Simmons. I mean, that was a good team, Coach. Let me just – just for the heck of it, let me throw. I'm gonna just go. 1994 World Series. Who played? <laughs> what are you like a cruel joke? Are you like are you like the evil substitute teacher? That's the strike year, coach. Wow, of all the years, you picked the year where there's no World Series. Wow. What's wrong with you? I I couldn't even remember that. All right, give me 95. I apologize. That was not an on purpose curveball on the outside corner. That was uh, I just forgot. 94 was the strike year. How about 90? Brutal year if you're a Cub or Expo fan. Ninety-five was it was uh, easier. The 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 Braves finally win it, but it doesn't really count because it's only a hundred and forty-four game regular season. They beat the Indians six-two uh, in the World. I mean, four in six games in the in the World Series. And David Justice hit a home run to beat the Indians one nothing in game six. Tom Glavin was on the mound. I remember the David Justice home run, but for you off the top of your head to pull out 1995 and pick out the Braves that quickly. Was that um, a Dale Murphy and a Daryl Evans in the Brave lineup as well? Are you being serious? Daryl Evans was a Brave in like 1973. All right. Dale, Dale Murphy had retired for a few years. That's the, Coach, that's the, the young Braves. <laughs> all like the Chipper Jones and, and, and David Justice and Marquise Grissom, all those guys. I bet I can pick out the number four pitcher of that great pitching rotation. I bet you can. Steve Avery? Yes, he was still uh, he was still on the wow. So actually, in, in Maddox, ninety-five, you had Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin, and they always rotated their fourth pitcher. They always found a good fourth. Yeah, and I think in ninety-five, Denny Nagel was there by then. Uh, so Steve uh, Avery was no longer good. Uh, that was like right at the end of Avery. I can't remember two years ago who was in the World Series. My fading memory. Just I, I had to. Stop for a moment and give you your praises. It's amazing how you can pull that stuff off uh, spur of the well, moment. I'm glad you brought that back up because two years ago was the Giants. And look at the Giants lineup compared to the Giants lineup this year. Only Buster Posey is the same. It's, it's, that You just have to just shake your head and just – that is unfathomable, Coach, that a team could win two World Series in basically a two-year period and have it a completely different team besides the pitching staff and the catcher. Different yeah. closer. It's a different closer, different bullpen. The starting staff and the catcher are the only thing the same, and they win two World Series in two years. The Cubs have tried many uh, different lineups <laughs> over the last 104 years. I was just going to say, it's a lot more unfathomable for a couple of Chicago Cub fans like you and me. Uh, 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 how, how do they do that? They get Cody Ross. Juan Uribe, Aaron Rowan, Andres Torres, and they go out and win a World Series. They get rid of these guys, and they replace them. And by the way, Pablo Sandoval was too fat to play in the playoffs in, in 2010. He only played like half the game, so he kind of counts. So he's on this roster like the other one. But everybody else, Brandon Belt, the guy hasn't done anything all season. The guy's like, he's the Anthony Rizzo of the Giants. And all of a sudden in the playoffs, he's phenomenal. I don't understand how so many teams like the Cardinals or the Yankees, the A's, uh, and the Giants now, it just seems like no matter what they do in the regular season, if they get in the postseason, watch out. They're so much better than they really mm-hmm. 
all these organizations, Coach, seem to always win, seem to always have players that you don't expect to play well, play awesome. Yet yep. the Cubs always have the biggest superstars, and they can't do anything. So talking about, like, in a whole general respect, a lot of stuff you normally see happen this year, and then obviously you get your unexpected, like the Cardinals and the yep. Giants, who you just scratch your head and are like, how are these two teams in the National League Championship? I don't want to spend too much time lamenting because nobody wants to hear the cries of us Chicago Cub fans, but let me just say you're absolutely correct, and a team like the Giants winning two out of three years just kind of rubs a little salt into a 102-year wound that we all have. Now, let me uh, you, you mentioned Pablo Sandoval. He got the MVP award. I was a little bit surprised with that, Big Dog. I thought it was going to go to Ryan Vogelsong. I know Kung Fu Panda had the big first game, had a couple other hits, but I thought Vogelsong was going to get MVP. Your thought? Well, that was he, it was a sweep, and all the starting pitchers had a pretty good game for the Giants. So to, to pick out Ryan Vogelsong was a little bit better than okay. this guy or that guy. Sandoval set the tone. I mean, to hit it off of Verlander and the first three at-bats, and basically, I mean, like really – in the fourth inning of game one, you were thinking, wow, the Giants are in control of the series if they're, if they're going to beat Verlander game one. Yeah, and that's that totally changed the whole entire series, but they picked the correct MVP in Pablo Sandoval. Okay, good call. Big dog and a coach with you here on the uh, Two Guys at a Mike show, a little sports report, concentrating on baseball. We didn't get to as much of it yesterday as the season came to a close because of our football recap, all the NFL games. If we get to it today, big dog, we'll definitely do kind of a midseason, sort of midseason in the NFL and give a little um, who's up, who's down, and more importantly, who might change around second half of the season. But want to finish off with some baseball thoughts here. Uh, and again, you talk about the Tigers' frustration. I thought, you know, their final at bat, so what was it, the eighth and ninth inning? Jeremy Eiffel was outstanding. Sergio Romo was outstanding. But as good as the relievers are, Big Doug, there were some really, really bad at bats by the Detroit Tigers. The exclamation mark was that eighth inning when Cabrera... Prince Fielder and Delman Young, I think, all struck out, and they struck out. And you know, their strikeouts and then their strike; those were bad strikeouts. They look like yeah. they look like Corey Patterson and Sean Dunstan, circa 1990 and 2000 for the Cubs. I'm pretty sure you're talking about the the seventh inning. Yeah, the game the game ends with with Miguel Cabrera at bat. Yes, the worst pitch. Well, even that Sergio pitch, Roma, the, the worst pitch he threw all the whole entire playoffs was the one he got Miguel Cabrera out to win yeah. the World Series. It was an 89-mile-an-hour fastball that went right down the heart of the plate to a triple crown winner in a 1-1 game, and the triple crown winner didn't pull the trigger. Didn't even swing. I mean, that's the kind wow. of pitch. You know, Romo was celebrating looking like a hero, but that's the kind of pitch if Cabrero hits it out. People are saying, what the hell was he throwing a fastball? to? You had him working on the outside corner. Why would you give him a fastball? You're absolutely right. The final pitch was symbolic of the whole frustration. Yeah, no doubt. All of a sudden, you have to look at that goofy. You know, at, at first, the Sergio, I'm like, what are you doing, Sergio Romo? And then uh, it, just, it bothered me. And then he's so good and he moves so gracefully, you kind of get into it. And then he does it for way too long, and then you get to the uncomfortable part again, Coach, with Sergio Romo's uh, – his celebrations. He's he's an odd duck. And have you noticed the licking of the lip? <laughs> yes. Have you noticed that? Yes. He like licks his lips while he's looking at the batter. I'm going to tell you this straight up right now. I was typically emotionally stable when I played. You start licking your lips at me, coach. It would have thrown me off. It would have personally. <laughs> I've had to step out of the batter's box. Yeah. Like, he's he's flirting with me, umpire. 
That, that might be part of the reason for his success. Who knows? I mean, he was <laughs> overall, he was the MVP of the, if you want to, you know, take the playoffs as a whole. I don't think he blew a lead at all. I think he, you know, closed out just about every game, saved about every game. And most of those big dog were under intense pressure. One, two run leads, final inning. You know, I'm surprised that they don't actually have a, uh, an MVP of the playoffs type, yes. uh, they should. Uh, I know they have the NL, um, since they don't have a, uh, one technically for, what do you call it, the, the divisional series, I think it would be kind of cool if they had a whole MVP mm-hmm. of the playoffs. I think so too. I think so too. If it was, I would go, Boy, it'd be close. Vogel song one, Romo two, Buster Posey three, Sandoval four. To, to put, I mean, you know, Buster Posey didn't hit a lot during the yeah. during the series, but you know, he is an incredible baseball player. And if you look at baseball under the age of twenty five, that's another like story that we have out of this season. Was this is the year of the phenom? Because uh, Bryce Harper, everybody all heard about how great he was going to be. Maybe his numbers weren't incredible, Coach, but he hit 285 with, like, 18 home runs as a 19-year-old. And so the kid is absolutely legit. And he did things like steal home and throw people out at home that just left your eyes, you know, coming out of your head. And he isn't even by far the best youngest player in baseball because Mike Trout is the best uh, young player in baseball. Buster Posey's just around 25. He's right there, like 24, 25. Mm-hmm. There's a couple great young players in the game right now of baseball. No question about it. Um, Buster Posey, I, I, I had mentioned to you how unemotional he is in victory celebrations. You know, and Sergio uh-huh. Romo's all fired up, and, you know, and Romo, after each of the big wins that the Giants had, he would come up, and Posey would just, like, high-five him like it was a regular season win and kind of diffuse Sergio Romo. But, but, of course, after winning the World Series, when Cabrera takes that final pitch, Posey flips off the mask, and he's a lot more exuberant. But if you notice, when the catcher and pitcher ran towards each other after Romo did his pretty cool fist pumps, um, he does three or four of those. That's kind of his tradition. Normally, you know, it's the catcher. What is it? The pitcher jumps into the catcher's arm or the catcher jumps into the pitcher's arm. I don't know if you notice this or not, Big Dog. Neither of them knew quite what to do. It was almost like when you go to handshake someone now and one guy's going with the fist pump, the other guy with the handshake. There's yeah, that uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, they both kind of ended out... <laughs> It, diving into each other, but nobody caught the other guy. It was a, a humorous, if not somewhat uncomfortable moment. Yeah, you know what? I, I would like to have to deal with that. Yes. Yeah, no, not, not knowing how to hug or squeeze. We'd, we'd, you know we'd like to see a, some Cub but, players in, in uncomfortable moments like that, huh? I blame Buster Posey because he noticed when the hugging started, uh, Buster Posey was trying to keep the hips away from Sergio Romo. <laughs> you know, he was doing one of those type of hugs. Yeah. And Sergio Romo was trying to make he was sure he was getting the whole entire body squeeze type of hug. So, <laughs> that, you know, Buster Posey thought he had a, a situation when, you know, he got run over by somebody at home plate and broke his leg. Sergio Romo trying to give him the, the hug at the end of the game was a little uncomfortable also. I'm, uh, it's late because Halloween is tomorrow. And if anybody has candy corn, by the way, I have an incredible taste for candy corn, but nobody – has purchased it yet. My wife got the candy uh, for this year's trick-or-treating. No candy corn. I've got the taste, big dog. So if anybody's in the Morton Grove area, wants to stop by our studios here, 5601 West Dempster Street, and bring me up a little candy corn, I would appreciate that. But I don't know if I can pull it off, but I'm 
hoping to answer the door, and if I do go out on the street tomorrow as a trick-or-treater, I'm going with the Sergio Romo look. What do you, you think? You know what? Uh, well, you, you know, he looks just like Fidel Castro. Ooh, I might be and able to Fidel find Fidel Castro had one of the great arms of the 1950s. Yes. And uh, he basically couldn't get a shot in America and got upset, started communism, well, yep. went with the Russians and communism, never played baseball again. Well, some tells me that that's like maybe one of Fidel Castro's grandchildren out there. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, very few people know Fidel was a pretty talented baseball player. Couldn't go well to his right, and he had a weakness for the curveball, Big Dog. And that's uh, what and, did him in. Uh, a weakness for margarita pizza, too. Yeah, that too. <laughs> but just think of it. If he if he could have had a batting coach at a young age that would have taught him to lay off that curveball that slides away on the outside and maybe get a little closer to the plate and work on going to his right, who knows? Cuba could be a much more fortuitous country at this point. The, the, uh, the Italian mob might still be down there making a fortune. Absolutely. Little things like that can happen. 888-463-6748. The phone number, Coach, and the big dog. The other Halloween costume, David, I haven't seen rankings of what's selling or not, but I would think that the undecided voter, and I don't know how you dress up, and big dog, you might have some suggestions here, but I would think, David, with the elections coming up, that the undecided voter would have to be one of the more popular costumes right now. If it's not, it should be. Or the ballot box. That's not, eh, that's a little more. What would, eh, Big Dog, if there is someone out there interested in being the undecided voter, you as a creative Halloween costumist in past experience, what would you suggest for that fine young man or woman? Uh, well, uh, you, you would have to have, like, a picture of each candidate on each side of you, and then with uh, the cardboard bubbles having quotes that they're saying, like like their most famous quotes. Like one of them, I, you know, I killed Bin Laden. You know, and the other one is, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll give your money back to you, that type of stuff all over the place. Interesting. All over the how, about, how about a giant question mark in the middle of their body with the pictures on either side? Where do you put the dot of the question mark? <laughs> no comment. Okay. No comment. We'll go back to Fidel Castro and not hitting the outside curveball if you're going to go that route. But I would think I, I'm also thinking of going as my least favorite Chicago Bear, Jay Cutler. I might get the. I'm just thinking of a Cutler jersey. If I can find a foam finger with the middle finger extended, and just wear a Cutler, and I, and I would sit down at a Halloween party, big deal, and anybody that would sit down next to me to start a conversation, I would just get up and rudely walk away. That's not a bad idea. It's not bad. Yeah, that's. Do they make a foam finger with the middle finger extended? They, and uh, they if, do. if there's somebody that lets somebody into the party that doesn't belong, you need to run <laughs> up to that guy and like bump him in the back and talk about just yeah. smack him out and walk away. Absolutely. After a couple of cocktails, you know, I can tell a few strategic people to bend over a little bit. I can get in the, uh, you know, forget about the shotgun formation. I'll go right under center and take a few snaps. Might be the head of the party. By the way, I will make sure <laughs> that when I do take the snaps directly behind center, David's giving me a strange look here. I promise I will not be wearing the middle extended finger at that point. That's good to know all of yeah. us are happy about that. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Uh, oh, now I have this in my notes too, Big Dog. And this is where we get to the X's and O's here. Big Dog and a coach breaking down a little baseball in the World Series here one day late as we went over all the football yesterday. But here's a little thing that costs 
that cost the Detroit Tiger the game. The importance of the mental part of the game. What I'm talking about is the winning run that Ryan Therio scored on, on the base hit by, was it Angel Pagan? Angel Pagan, coach. Angel Pagan. All right. First of all, it's the top of the tenth. The one run I didn't is see obviously. The play, though. I didn't. I didn't see the play at this point. Oh, you did. Uh, all right. Well, Peyton Manning had the ball. Uh, <laughs> it was a base hit to center field, but it could have been caught. It could have been caught with a really good. Effort. I don't even know if he would have had to dive, but you could tell the center fielder for the Detroit Tigers, Austin Jackson, Austin right? Jackson. He was mm-hmm. not thinking before the play. Hey, top of ten, runner on second. I cannot let a tweener fall. Even a, call it a 75% base hit, 25% not. You know, one of those base hits that during a regular season you'll probably let fall. You've got to have in your mind before the pitch, if it's close, got to go get it. If it's close, got to go get it. Well, we hit a base hit. And again, I, 80 to 85% of the time, maybe 90% that fall. In that situation though, you can't let it fall. And the key, big dog, is your mental thought process before the pitches. If you've got that thought before the pitches, then the ball's hit, boom, you're on it, and you're going to make that diving play, and Ryan Therio doesn't score. If you're not thinking before, now you're sprinting and you're sprinting towards the ball, and your normal instincts took over. It's exactly what happened to Austin Jackson. He stopped and let the ball drop. The mental preparation for players before each pitch, so critical, it might have cost the Tiger a World Series game. That is one of the most critical things. You have to set up every single situation before every play, and it's only a matter of time before if you don't do that, you're going to get burned by it, because you play so many different plays throughout uh, the course of the season, and you're exactly right, Coach. When The little things are the biggest difference in in, in one-run games, mm-hmm. and, and the, uh, the ability to know exactly what you have to do beforehand. Now, uh, uh, Ryan Terrio, one of the, the best things that I can tell you about him is Matt Cain is getting interviewed at, while they're celebrating in the locker room afterwards, okay? And the cameraman, real subtly, pulls back and puts the guy in the camera in the background. You won't know. It was such a great job by the cameraman. And Matt Cain continues to speak. And you look in the background, real far in the background, and you notice that it's Ryan Terrio at a urinal, Coach. <laughs> and while he's at the urinal, he is downing a bottle of champagne. Oh. Did he do the... That he's, it's, it's, he's at the urinal, urinated, okay? <laughs> And doubting, a, and then he looks over. Notice the camera's there, and you can tell he looks right into the camera, and he takes another huge swig of the bottle of champagne. Did he, he didn't do the cowboy wave, did he? Uh, if does that mean whip it out? No, 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 no. That means you just you know turn the body, and while you're still doing your thing, you kind of twist and wave. No, he didn't do that, coach. That's okay. that's what I meant by whip it out. Yes. No, he didn't do the cowboy wave. And I, luckily, I've never seen anybody <laughs> personally do the cowboy wave. I think live in person. I think your cowboy wave is different than my cowboy wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> all right. So Ryan Therio, uh he wasn't purposely photobombing, but kind of had the the set effect. And realize what was going on. You, it's that, that's definitely the best footage <laughs> of the World Series. That's how uh, a four game sweep or a couple blowouts uh. in the middle of them. Yeah, that's basically what happened. That's outstanding. By the way, you're an old school guy. Are you bothered now by the fact that in these champagne celebrations, the players are now wearing goggles and head protective gear in the locker room celebrations? It's 
you know what you know what cracks me up is uh, these guys that when they they don't win and it's like a clinching game, and then they have to clean out their locker and they have to clean out their uh, their bathing cap and their bathing goggles <laughs> that they brought in. And then they get really disgusted and they want to puke because they realize that they they're more worried about celebrating than they were about winning. Mm-hmm. Think about that, coach. You're bringing freaking goggles to a to an event. I guess there's been there's been some examples of guys that have actually matter of fact I think was it this year's playoffs where somebody got hit by the cork coming out of a champagne bottle and uh, well, uh, Bud Selig said number one you know we we've, we've got to start protecting these but we can't be having champagne cork flying all around that's dangerous for the players and number two would somebody please invite me to a celebration signed Bud Selig <laughs> Commissioner Major League Baseball. Yeah, you know, probably one of the worst incidents ever talked about was when David Ortiz, Big Patty, you know, had way too much to drink at uh, one of the celebrations and mistook Bronson Arroyo for someone else. That was that was uh, <laughs> very uncomfortable for Bronson Arroyo and the rest of the teammates. So, anytime you got Big Poppy drinking in the locker room, that's that's a scary thought for all viewers. No question, that's something you want to hear on radio, not see on TV. Big Poppy likes redheads. He just didn't realize it was a six foot five. <laughs> Right-handed redhead. Ah, oh, goodness. Dog and the coach with you right up until 11 o'clock, 888-463-678, the phone number. Big Dog, I would do want to get to the beginning of the NBA season. I will let you, uh, final thought as you summate. Is summate a word, David? No. To summarize concisely, can you call it a summate? Probably not. Uh, who the hell cares? I'll say it anyways. I will leave it to you, Big Dog, to summate perspective of the 2012 Major League Baseball season? Uh, it's the, the year that don't ever give up on your season because even bad teams like the Giants can end up winning the World Series. And uh, the year of the, 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 the young superstar coach, and, you know, it's kind of sad just to kind of show your shoulders, is, is Miguel Cabrera's uh, triple crown tainted at all by diehard baseball fans? Like, yeah, remember the year he won the triple crown and he, he just didn't do anything in the World Series? Well, he did hit a home run. A windblown home run, uh, you know, that, that helps a little, but it's a strange baseball season. Uh, uh, again, the best team doesn't always win. All you need to do is figure out a way to get into the playoffs. That's, it's, there's a new brand of, of baseball being played. Popularity of baseball, future of baseball, Big Dog. Are the young kids still following it? Uh, again, I don't want to get too epithelial here, but future of baseball still pretty positive? You know what, I, I think so. That, it seems like the younger kids are going towards sports that aren't football, that aren't baseball, that aren't basketball in the United States. But it seems like baseball continues to draw greater attendance. And the older people get, when you're like 40, you start taking your kids to baseball games and you're like, no, I haven't gone to baseball games since, you know, I was old. Having my dad take me to baseball games 20 years ago. So uh, as long as there's still family values in America, we're still going to have the love of baseball. There it is, beautifully put. By the way, nobody asked me, but, uh, David, if anybody asks for my memories of the 2012 baseball season, it'll always be the year that Sean Camp and James Russell were the co-MVPs of the Chicago Cubs. Oh, goodness. All right, can we move on, Big Dog? Darwin Barney deserves some of that credit. Yes, you're right. You're right. Big fan. need to try MVP. Big fan of Darwin Barney. All right, uh, we have basketball, Big Dog, as we make a somewhat uncomfortable transition here. Big dog and a coach able to jump from one sport to another through hoops, over hurdles, pole vaulting, if you will, from one sport to another. But as one season ends, Big Dog, it's a beautiful thing about sports. 
There's rarely a slow time. Sands the day after the All-Star game. There's always something going on. There's 172 days till the Kentucky Derby big dog. I'll to, hold my breath. Try to control your excitement. Uh, mm-hmm. But the NBA season does open up today. Our beloved Chicago Bulls at home tomorrow against DeMarcus Cousin and the Sacramento King. But you do got Laker, Celtic, Maverick. Who the heck the Mavericks playing? San Antonio, but you got a couple of games starting today. NBA basketball, big dog, off and running another season. Do we even have to play this season? Shouldn't the <laughs> should we just have the Lakers hosting the Miami Heat in the uh, NBA Finals? You may be right. As much as I'd like to disagree, if they stay healthy, you may be right. The Lakers starting lineup is is Kobe and Steve Nash. Yeah. Ron Artest, forget about his attitude, but if you just take the playing style of Ron Artest, the absolute perfect fit. And then you got Paul Gasol and Dwight Howard on the inside. How do you defend that particular lineup, Big Doug? Uh, if, as long as Kobe Bryant doesn't get too upset when he doesn't take the most shots every single game and let Steve Nash just let the offense blow, Oh my goodness, they could be unbelievable. Un- Steve Nash is the best offensive player that we have seen playing basketball like the last 10 years, coach. And I, mean, I, I can go, I'll argue that with anybody that wants to. There's a reason why he won two MVPs. The guy, I'm not saying he's the best player in basketball, just offensively, how efficient everywhere he goes, these teams are. Now he has superstar talent around him. This is like, and the, by, by the way, the guy's an absolute Work out freak. He eats right, he lives right, exercises all the time. His work ethic is unbelievable. So the Ron Artest and the and the and the Dwight Howards of the world, you know, and and Kobe Bryant will will have no problem respecting him because he will put the work in. The mm-hmm. Lakers are really good, coach. They should be really really good. But we've seen teams like this before, and it's usually on the Lakers, and they sometimes come crumbling down because they're too good. Yes, David. Ron Artest's agent just called to remind you that it's now Meta World Peace. I thought he changed that. Not according to the team website. He's he still, didn't. Still Meta World still Peace. Still Meta World Peace. Right. Yeah. I thought he went back. I thought actually, I thought he was going to change his name to Lou Weisbach. Maybe that not. was taken though, Coach. <laughs> and and the woman was going to put up a big fight not to be. Uh, didn't have we? The same name. I thought we talked about that somewhere along the way in a titillating tidbit news and notes Wednesday. No, Big I Doug. think Prince, the, the Prince, went from Prince to the artist formerly known as Prince <laughs> to the artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Prince. God bless you. All right, I apologize. So Meadow. He did. He switched back. I think is what, or was it Snoop Dogg? Somebody else switched their name, Coach. I don't think right. uh, Metal World Peace. Well, I apologize to the World Peace family out there. All the members of the Meta World Peace family, which could be spread out, sadly enough, throughout the entire United States. By the way, we forgot, well, I didn't forget to mention, but that starting five, which might be, one could argue, the best ever on paper to enter a season ever. And I said you could argue it. Coming mm-hmm. off the bench for them, Big Dog, coming off the bench is Anton Jameson. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, averaged 17 points a game this year. So they got big weapon, big scoring weapon off the bench. And Antoine Jameson's perfect for them because he yep. does not want to be the star anywhere he goes. But if you just let him play, he'll be really good. He'll, he won't cause any problems. He'll keep his mouth shut. Antoine Jameson is as good of a backup scorer off power like a, 
like a big time score off the bench as, as you could ever want. Uh, how about this lineup, coach? Think about this: the '04 Lakers, the '03-'04 Lakers. They were Shaq and Kobe, Carl Malone, um, Gary Payton. Wow! And who was the, who was the other guy? Who was the, the that's the, like, the who, great? Who cares? <laughs> With those four, I could have played. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, do you remember that team? That was the one year Carl Malone did not play with John Stockton, and uh, then they lost. They got they got swept by the Pistons in the playoffs. Wow, I forgot about that. Shaq, Malone, Kobe, and the glove. Gary Payton. David, you had a yeah. comment on uh, Meta World Peace. Well, no, no, no. Just the Lakers in general. Yeah, oh. they do have Antoine Jameson coming off the bench, but they got nobody else. That's a good point. They've got nobody. Now, now, granted. The Miami Heat are structured very similarly, but they've at least coming off the bench. They've got Ray Allen, Richard Lewis, and Udonis Haslam. A little bit deeper bench. And Udonis Haslam does the job of five men. That dude, if there's anybody that I'd want on the Bulls that's on the Miami Heat, I'm yep. not kidding you. Udonis Haslam would be the first person I'd want. I'm having I know some, they have the best player in the world. We're having some construction work being done on the upstairs bathroom big dog they're tearing it apart three different hard hats hard at work if Udonis Haslam uh, was not playing NBA basketball I'd want him with the uh with the drill in the bathroom ripping out tiles Udonis Haslam's that kind of guy he would go right to the toilet he just he would grab up the urinal and rip it right off of the wall (laughs) without use of any tools or washing his hands after that's just how the type of guy Udonis Haslam is coach and how about a very uh, uh subtle but nevertheless, pointed dig at the white basketball player out there by producer extraordinaire David Ole says he's forgetting about the uh, very, how do you put it, um, solid. Jordan Farmer. No, I'm talking about Stevie Blake, the white man's white man, point guard who does some very, very solid work coming off the bench for the Lakers. Nothing wrong with he's Steve right. Blake. He's decent. Try to control your excitement. Well, now now I have to apologize to the Metal World Peace family and the entire Steve Blake family that could be listening to this show. Now, is Dwight Howard going to play today? Because isn't it weird he had the he was going to play for the Magic, his back surgery was going to cost him to miss half the season, all of a sudden he's ready to play for the Lakers, isn't he? Is he going to be out for a while? I think he uh, is going to play. I think he's going to okay. start. By the way, speaking of starting centers, I hope you're sitting down, Big Dog, because this one, this one might knock even a big man like yourself off your feet. Chris Kamen injured right now for the Dallas Mavericks. Your starting center tonight? You ready? Eddie Curry. Are you? Wow, he's still getting a paycheck? <laughs> Eddie Curry, not only getting a paycheck, he will be the emergency starting center for Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks. You know what? He will be one of the leaders in field goal percentage in the NBA this year because he refuses to take anything more than a layup. Because <laughs> that would actually, that he might break a sweat. <laughs> uh, it's still it's still one of the great quotes ever. Ever. Ever by a coach. A big press cover. Hey, uh, 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 Scott Skiles, right? It was Scott Skiles. Hey, Scott, what, what can you suggest to get Eddie Curry to rebound butter? Jump. <laughs> <laughs> And the beauty of it was the truth of it, too. It, it was. It's, it was. He would, just, he would just go. He goes by the biggest guy and leans on him. He does that really well. If you need someone on the other team leaned on, 
Eddie Curry will do that for you. Yeah. I saw him as the number one rated player in the country. He's a big 6'11 kid coming out of high school. And I saw Mark Pankratz and the Schaumburg Saxons, as a team whiter than Steve Blake. I saw them shut him down pretty much one-on-one, and I knew at that point that the Eddie Curry NBA career was going to be a uh, ultimate disappointment. Yeah, he was supposed to be the next Moses Malone coach. That's yeah. all they compared him to. Yeah. Unstoppable. Nice guy, by the way. Nice guy. No bad attitude, hasn't gotten in trouble. Very nice guy. Just does not have the fire in the belly, the heart, or any other body parts to play NBA basketball. All right. Um, all right, so you, your your point is pretty well taken. Is it going to take some of the enjoyment away from the NBA fans out there, Big Dog, that you've got two teams as prohibitive a favorite as we've ever had in the NBA? Yeah, because if you think about it, who is going to be the teams that, that knock off one of these teams? Is, is it the Thunder that, you know, where the – we're the West champion last year that still have two awesome players that are trying to figure out how they're going to play with losing their third man uh, in James Harden. Is it going to be the Celtics who had uh, Ray Allen go from the Celtics to the Heat, and all of a sudden the Celtics are talking about, you know what, the rivalry's back on. And, and don't forget, the Celtics played the Heat pretty tough in that playoff series last year. And, and think about who's the other team that can knock off like teams like the Lakers or the or the, the Heat, and it's the Chicago Bulls, but the problem is our best player is supposedly having a heroic comeback from ACL surgery, but when he comes back, is are the Bulls going to be good enough to actually push the Heat, push the Lakers? So it's really strange. Think about the teams that can compete with those teams. There's only, like, three. Is there anybody? I guess the Spurs always can because they're Greg Popovich, Timmy Duncan, and all these guys. If they stay healthy, technically they can play anybody. But besides those four teams, is there anybody in the NBA that could possibly well, play with the other two? There's, There are scenarios. I'll throw a couple of Eastern teams that could could rise to the occasion. One is the Indiana Pacer. They're, uh, they're well-coached, and yeah. the, that team like plays good together. They play really, really good basketball. Yeah, and they've been together for a while, and they can all elevate to the next level. David West. Paul George, George Hill, Danny Granger, rest of those guys. And, and you're right, Frank Vogel, talk about underrated coaches in the NBA. He's he's young, I think in his third year. But he's one of the better young coaches that have come in the NBA in a long time. I like the way he handles that team. they got Hansborough coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Hansborough is an excellent, excellent bench yeah. player. For a, for a good team, he's going to be a good bench player. Uh, Chicago Bulls killer Gerald Green comes off the bench. So, again, you can't match him up with the Heat. Or the Laker, but that's a team, and then the Knicks. You know, again, they could. I don't know about the Knicks. I think the Nets coach. Okay. Both of those teams are extremely similar. And the Knicks do have some talent. The the Nets don't have as much, but I think the Nets being in Brooklyn and this whole, like. Good point. I was talking about just like the emotion of of Brooklyn finally getting a team that. the, the emotion can push these yeah. guys to win a few more games this year. But great point. The, the Knicks are top-loaded, uh, like some other teams that we talked about, but Carmelo Anthony isn't a good enough all-around basketball player mm-hmm. in order to beat anybody great. All he could do is score late in games, which is a pretty cool thing to have on your team, but that's all he is. Yeah, so. That's a good call. I like the call on the Brooklyn Nets. Joe Johnson, Darren Williams, a brand-new backcourt. Yeah, Dave. You can't overlook the Celtics either. Yes, you can. Uh, they're no, no, getting was, up there, but come playoff time, they're always tough. Uh, I, that, was, that was my three teams that I thought could possibly were the Thunder, the Bulls, and the 
and the Celtics that could knock off one of those teams. We were really in the Spurs. So there's four teams other than those two that could somehow get in and knock those teams off. Mm-hmm. All right, well, day one starts tonight, Big Joe. That doesn't make any sense. Day one is tonight. That still doesn't make any sense. The season starts tonight. We will find out a lot over the first uh, couple of weeks of the season. Our beloved Bulls, by the way, in action, home against Sacramento. I think they played six of their first seven at home. Obviously, no Derrick Rose, not nearly the excitement. But we do have a lot of new players on the Bulls, so it'll be interesting to see how the bench mob in particular performs. Yeah, and and the, the battle for minutes at point guard while Derrick Rose is back. Yes. But before he gets back, but let's face it. We're going to need someone to step up big time. 29 teams in the NBA play motion offense, and there's no difference between a point guard or the off guard. Well, yep. the Bulls are totally different. We need somebody. We're going to be a point guard-driven team when Derrick Rose gets back. So in the meantime, let's run our offense the way it will when Derrick Rose gets back. So we need here's, one of these guys to be a legitimate NBA point guard. Here's the first hint that the Bulls season could be in trouble. When you see a sign in the crowd, and the sign says, bring back John Lucas the third. That'll be an early indication, Big Dog, that we're struggling at the point guard spot. You, you, don't tell me that John Lucas the third is not a fun guy to have on your team when your team is good. When you're winning 60 yes. games and he's your last guy, it's, it's like having uh, Jack Haley yep. on the end of the bench with the point I guard will, person. One of my favorite memories with you, Big Dog, and there's been many. A couple of them we can't talk on air, but one of the favorite memories we can talk on air was being at, uh, what was the name of the bar? On Milwaukee Avenue in Niles. As the Bulls were taking on the Miami Heat, and John Lucas III went absolutely berserk, shooting shots over LeBron James and pointing the finger at LeBron and basically saying, hey, it's my team now, and the crowd going wild. Do you remember that night when Lucas III went crazy? Yeah, Alta Sports Bar. Huh? It was at the Alta, you, you didn't know where, it was at the Alta Sports Bar is where we were at. Okay, that was it. Well, I don't know if I remember that. I was told yeah. we were right. I, yeah. I don't know. What else can I tell you? Your memory much better than me, but but I will. <laughs> John Lucas the third dominating LeBron James for a brief moment in time. We had to make up for getting jumped over by LeBron James uh, eight days earlier. Hey, it's my team now, John Lucas the third. All right, dog, we got to wind it up. And again, now we started the show, and let's end the show by passing our thoughts on to the folks on the East Coast that have been hit so brutally by what they're saying. Big Dog is uh, arguably the worst storm to hit the United States ever. Wow, that's that, that's a bold, bold, uh, that's a bold statement, Coach. Yep. So hopefully the of, everybody out there, heck yeah. Hopefully the folks out there will be safe, and I'm glad to hear our. Uh, official weatherman David Olson, actually he's not official man, but we're too cheap to pay for an official weatherman, so he takes that place, has said that it has been downgraded at least a bit. So uh, there's still some bad stuff coming. The worst is over, and Big Dog, it will hit the city of Chicago. Now today, around the lakefront where you are known to wander around, it, it might get up to... Yeah, I'm, I'm going down there immediately. I already have people calling me to help them get their boats tied down and get yes. them out of, like, all types of stuff. Yeah. So I have all types of stuff to go right now. Head too. down to the DuSable Harbor. I believe that's where many of the boats are. But be safe and be careful. I need a co-host for tomorrow, okay? Yeah, I'll do my best, Coach. I'll try not to go in. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We much, much appreciate it. Big Dog and a Coach, back at you tomorrow. Have a great day. 10 o'clock, we're on tomorrow. Don't be late. Best part of the show is the first 28 seconds. From there, we tend to go downhill. Have a great day, folks.